Welcome to the Lost of the Moon podcast. I'm Bryce McCracken. I'm Wyatt Van Dyke. I'm singing happy birthday. And your name? Brett Redshaw. Beautiful. That's my friend Brett Redshaw. How are we, how are we doing, boys? Very good. We just saw a really good movie. It's the start of summer. I'm having a great time. Wyatt and I had a very cute little date today. Driving all around the city. I got to drive a U-Haul truck. It was a great day. It was lovely. coffee. Windows down, chance to wrap her over the river. What more can you ask for, you know? <laughs> Truly. Just You're like, so- you already sang once where I would do the uh, chance screech into this microphone you right still now. can. Yeah! Ah! Ah! <laughs> no, that was not it. That's a I used to, I used to be able, when I listened to chance a lot more, I used to be able to get it down very well. It was one of my better impressions. Uh, I actually can confirm that that is true. <laughs> I've heard it before. It used to be fire, and now it's not. No, I'll work on it for All next right, time. Thank you. Um, we're going to be talking about Tick, Tick, Boom, a 2021 film directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. This is a movie that Brett actually introduced me to in the year 2021, the year of our Lord. Not a lot of times I get in on the ground floor before Bryce on things. Do you remember how you found this? Was it just like on your Netflix recommended? I think I just remembered people talking about it and I wanted to know what was going on. Like it was getting pushed by Netflix a lot. This was a particularly big release if I recall correctly. Yeah, Wyatt, I think you're right. This was pushed pretty heavily. Although I don't think when Brett introduced it to me, it was. This got some like moderate Oscar buzz, especially around Andrew Garfield's performance. So it definitely was getting a lot of push near the end of its life cycle. I think Brett just got in on the ground floor early, and I remember he was like, hey, Bryce, you got to watch this movie, Tick, Tick, Boom. It's really good. And I saw it was a musical, and despite what you'll hear from me throughout the next hour or so of this podcast, I'm not usually that into movie musicals, and also saw that it was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I was in the heat of my uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda slander era (laughs) at the time, and I have more thoughts about him. You used to not be able to go a day without <laughs> mentioning the raw Lin-Manuel Miranda Hamilton tapes, Yeah, which are really funny. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about Lin in a second, but yeah, I was like very hesitant to watch this movie, and then I think I started to see that it was getting some conversations about potentially getting nominated, and I was like, fine, I'll watch this movie. And 2021 was a particularly bad year for movies, and I gave it a, gave it a shot, and I loved this movie. Which is not to say that it's that great of a movie. Well, we have a, I particularly have a lot of flaws with it, and I'm sure you both will likely have a few flaws as well. But this is certainly not a perfect movie, but I do love this movie. I think that what it does well, it does very well. And there's like a heartbeat to this movie that I really connect with. And so this is actually like the third time I've watched this movie, I think. I saw it after Brett recommended it by myself. Actually, while I had COVID. Uh, it was in my like three movies a day binge when I had COVID that first time. Thank you, Brett, for infecting me <laughs> with that disease. I remember bringing you, I believe it was Taco Bell with Daisy and Grace. When you that did happened. do that. Much Shout appreciated. Out. And I showed it to my family again. And then this instance. Oh, if that's the case, I didn't know you watched it with your family. I did not know about that. If that is the case, then this would actually make it four. Oh, times. really? Yes. Because do you remember? The last time that we watched it together? No, I do not. This is pretty funny. We were watching Dazed and Confused. And, I completely forgot about this. And we watched it very, very late. I'm, I believe on a weeknight. We all had work You're the right. next day. We watched Dazed and Confused, which was another amazing movie. And rather than t- 
turning the TV off <laughs> at like two o'clock in the morning, Bryce was like, hey, Brett and Colleen, my partner, let's watch the first five minutes of Tick, Tick, Boom. I just want you to see that. I knew what I was doing. Knowing that the second that the five minutes had passed, we were just going to continue watching that movie. I was so goddamn tired <laughs> the next day because I went to bed at four o'clock in the morning and was at work at eight. That's that's my bad. Uh, but it, it speaks to how much I enjoy this movie. Um, it sucked us in. I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Brett, you, I know you like this movie. What do you like about it in particular? Um, there's a lot to really enjoy about it. I think that it captures a particular whimsical feeling in me. I'm not quite as quirky as the main character, but there's Agree to a disagree. You think I am as quirky as the main character. There was one scene, uh, one interaction between, uh, Andrew Garfield and somebody else, uh, that you're like, that's, that's so, that's Brett. so Brett when he was particularly weird. And I was like, Hey man, <laughs> hurts a little bit, but you're probably correct. I really enjoy the the story is amazing. I think the editing is uh, surprisingly good in this movie. It's unique, and I'll talk about it. Yeah. I think that it captures a feeling, and I was going to talk about this a little bit in the synopsis about like what it means to get older. Coming of age is a really important genre for me or, or like style of storytelling. Uh, what I feel when I watch the movie and the way that I relate to it is something that I enjoy a lot. Uh, Wyatt, I know you're not as in love with this movie as the two of us are. Uh, what what were your thoughts after watching it? I get that beautiful role for what feels like the ninth straight podcast episode where I get to be the negative voice, um, which I don't love this role, but <laughs> I seem to have taken it on. But I mean, it's just, it, it's a fine movie. It's a movie that's not made for me, and I'm well aware of that. I don't think my opinion on whether it's a good or bad movie holds any relevance because it's not, I'm not its target audience by any means. I like the story in the sense the, of someone pursuing like their passions, uh, even when it seems that they should stop. I think that sticking true to yourself is an important concept, and it's a good instance of showing how that can pay off or not pay off, rather. But I love four musicals in this world. Uh, La La Land. That actually feels high. La La Land and then all three high school musicals. Oh, there you go. Great take. Um, so I know going into this that there wasn't going to be a super high, like I was not going to come out of this like, oh my God, my world has changed. I love Andrew Garfield. This felt like, this watching this movie, especially with you two, feels like when you're standing in a room and there's a group of people who are very well established and they're sharing inside jokes and then someone just kind of like kicks one out and they're like, oh, so the background here is, there's like multiple scenes where there was a bunch of people around and one of the two, you would have to like spoon feed me the information. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like the movie kind of has to be dumbed down to my level because it's not something that I would usually choose. At one um, point, Wyatt said, I'm going to force both of you to watch a film with incredibly niche baseball facts. I <laughs> will that find really something. Up. Yeah, I'll find something. But um, either way, uh, it was it was a movie. That's fine. Uh, I also want to comment on the way that I feel about Guy who wants to give all of his time to everybody else, but also can't stop keeping it to himself. Heavy, heavy relate. You're a, you're a big dive straight into something and commit to it real hard type of guy. Yeah, but also wants to live a bohemian lifestyle with yeah. all of my friends. Yeah. 
Shout out the Bohemian Lifestyle. That's a one of the best songs. Yeah. Um, and we'll get there. Right. You said something that I liked. You you mentioned this is <laughs> me. Yeah, you did. Uh, me? I you did. did. Uh, you mentioned this is sort of a coming of age movie. He's turning thirty. You know. He's turning thirty. This almost feels like. I don't want to say the fallout after a coming of age, but there's almost a coming of age story in there somewhere where he's this kid growing up outside New York city and he wants to pursue his passions and then he gets to New York and that's the end of the story. And this is sort of like what the fallout of that actually is and how difficult that lifestyle that people idolize is. This is canonically a sequel to Lady Bird after she gets <laughs> it, to New York for college. Be. And so there's a lot of like heartbreak to this and Brett, I should have had you do this earlier, but can you tell our listeners what this movie actually is about? <laughs> we yeah. mentioned it's Andrew Garfield directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, but uh, what's going on here? Sure thing. I'm here for you listeners. I'm Blow the voice. Kiss. Okay. That one's just for the viewers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm in a polyamorous relationship with every single viewer <laughs> that uh, is into this podcast. So, Tick, Tick, Boom follows the life of Jonathan Larson, quirked up but straight musical theater guy, uh, eventual writer of Rent. He is creating his, what he thinks is going to be this big breakout uh, musical. It's called Superbia. Cool, uh, hyper-pop synthwave musical. It's groundbreaking. Everybody's going to, uh, to love it going to change musical theater. It's going to change musical theater, which he says multiple times. Like he thinks that he's really hot shit. And uh, he is going through the stresses of balancing, creating this musical, putting the finishing touches on it when he's chronically plagued by um, procrastination and writer's block. He's also facing multiple obstacles, such as balancing this with his, his friendships and relationships, treating people well. Uh, he has a million people to please while also running a diner that is taking a lot of his attention. Uh, it's also uh, in the middle of the AIDS crisis where most of his friends are queer and is having they are having a unique trial through that. And he is seeing all of that happen from the outside. Um, so it is a lot of like anxiety inducing. How are we going to get through the end of it all in you know, the uh, the journey to get to where he eventually ends up. The boom, if you will. Some would say. I had a thought while watching this movie that I had not had before where I was like, in in a different world, this could be a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> the obsession with time. Yeah. And Nolan has even used, like, a, the ticking that this movie uses to sort of, like, create that element of, like, we're building to something, you're running out of time all leading up to this, like, big moment. And this movie does a fun little twist on what that big moment actually is. But it felt very Nolan-esque if Nolan were to ever make a not particularly suspenseful or action-packed drama musical. That's another main theme of the film is time and, like we said earlier, coming of age literally because he's about to be 30. That's the biggest deal in the world. Something that I'm terrified of is a guy who's not 25 yet. There's a guy who's about to be 30. It feels like it sometimes. I mean, time is completely out the window at this point. Um, yeah. Is it even real? COVID got it all fucked up. I'll <laughs> tell you what. 
Um, so yeah, that is uh that's the the gist. Yeah. Um, I like what you said about is a classic Bryce ADHD moment. You forget what you were about to say right now. (laughs) Um, what was the last thing you were talking about? He's uh turning thirty. Uh, oh yeah, this movie's obsession with like, or I guess more specifically, Jonathan Larson's obsession with. I'm running out of time is something that I think we all kind of experience, especially like in this increasingly more existential world where we all feel like we have to be doing something with our time. And Jonathan Larson's character is comparing everything that he's doing to all of the great predecessors of musical theater that all had their breaks before they turned 30. And this milestone of turning 30 years old feels like the end and he needs to have his break before that end is reached. And so he's putting so much added pressure on this musical that he's been working on for eight years, because if this doesn't do it for him, he's out of time. And that's contrasted well with all of the other things in his life that are also on a ticking clock, his relationship with his girlfriend and some other spoilery things that I can't talk about. And so all of these things are ticking towards this big boom. Um, And we'll talk later about sort of what that boom is and how it turned on its head by Lynn. I can relate to the, the concept of feeling like you're running out of time. I used to have this arbitrary, like it was like a joke. I I need to state that it was a joke. I had this rule with my friends back when I was in Iowa uh, that if I wasn't married by 25, I was going to kill myself on my 25th birthday. <laughs> you are running out of time. Um, so we're pushing back that date a little bit because I feel like maybe that's a little bit too early. But it's the same concept. Just, just a little bit too early. Maybe a little bit. You just, a couple well, weeks. The, the thing is, is like, think about stocks. You got to sell high for like a good return. That's true. So like, I assume as a person, not like as a person, but like I assume in terms of marketability to a partner, at this time, I was like, I'll peak at around 25, so I need to lock it down before I experience like diminishing returns. So I was like, 25, take it or leave it, whatever I've got. And so he's feeling the same thing with musicals at 30. So, you know, to that extent, I can relate to him, but we're, we're, we're pushing back on 25 right now. To save Wyatt's life, Wyatt, I make you this promise right now. I will marry you before you kill yourself. I mean, That's a homie that right implies there. that I would prefer that option. <laughs> That's so disrespectful for our listeners. Fred is leaning back in his chair, no, sobbing. He's crying. He's weeping. <laughs> but, like, why would you say that? It's okay. I just, I can't make, never mind. You're Pretty messed okay. up. You're okay. Sorry, I feel bad. Um, I would get everything in the divorce. I'd, well, yeah, I'd, I, I would put all of my money into a lawyer to take everything you have. This is crazy coming from the man who just said that he would marry you. Yeah, now he's divorcing me. I yeah. turned quick. It I turned didn't even fast. accept the proposal. Well, that's the problem. I don't feel like you're familiar with the concept of divorce. <laughs> Bryce, can you arrange this marriage? Just make him do it. Uh, I can do whatever I need to do here. As your boss on this podcast, <laughs> I think you have to. I don't. Mm. You can fire me. I'm going to cut your wages in half. Oh, fuck. A penny? Yeah. Uh, that would imply that I've given you a penny. Uh, We've know. made about a penny from this podcast Oh, so and far. you kept it to yourself. The rich man strikes again. Yeah. God. Here I am. You're the 1%. <laughs> <laughs>
I yeah. might be. Certainly of this house. Certainly of this house of this talking podcast. in terms of podcast income. To be fair. To be fair. I have not to be fair, I've not removed any of that money from our Spotify for Podcasters account. Uh, it's like $2. <laughs> uh, I want to talk uh, uh, briefly here before we get into spoilers about my Lin-Manuel Miranda take because I have a lot of thoughts on the man. Firstly, and why I feel like he was You're likely... You're thinking about dudes? All the time. You know, men just in your free time? Especially artistic men that create things. That really gets me going. Lin was born in 1980, and I'm seeing... In the Heights, which was like his first breakout musical. It wasn't his first musical, but it was certainly the one that like put him on, on the map. Did not come out until 2008. So for the people who are good at math in our audience. The people who are good in our audience. Uh, those people too. He was nearing 30 when he got that break. And I think it's very likely that he could relate to Jonathan Larson's story. Because this is not an original idea from the mind of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And so he was very drawn to this story, I would imagine. My take on Lynn is that he is a very talented writer and director. He did Hamilton, incredible musical. He did In the Heights, another great musical. And his writing specifically is very creative. And he's proven he can also direct very well. But I cannot stand the fact that he casts himself in the lead of all of his musicals. <laughs> Because he cannot sing. Brett mentioned the demo tapes for Hamilton. They're on YouTube. You should definitely check them out. Because it's just Lin-Manuel Miranda singing all of the parts in Hamilton. And it actually sounds like a man who has never sung before. They are very ridiculous. But can relate. <laughs> Brett, a man who loves to sing. That dude cannot was, do it. Brett was going crazy yesterday. But it was just one verse of a song. I forget what song it was. Oh, I do that a lot. It's, but, it's Harry Styles. Uh, two ghosts. I'm working on a cover of it. Oh, okay. lots of auto tune. A man who can't sing working on a cover. I love that. I mean, you've done that once before, and it turned out well. So I look forward to that. Um, before we move on from like the concept of turning thirty and like running out of time, uh, the whole time that that was going on, I was also thinking like Bo Burnham had a song about mm. that on Inside. Yes. Do you guys view thirty as like a big benchmark? Because I don't. I guess I'm not that close to it. I still got good eight years, but I don't feel like it's any different than. Like, it doesn't feel like a massive shift, I guess, because it's a group of 10, but... That was going to be my yeah, only thought. <laughs> it's, it's not like that's any different from, like... 29? Tw yeah, I mean... 31? It doesn't... I don't understand the significance, at least, yet. Like, 20 didn't feel like it was anything crazy. It mm -hmm. was just like, oh, I'm a year older as per scheduled, but who knows? I take a lot of comfort in watching other people who are older than me reach that milestone and then see their life not change at all. <laughs> The yeah. day after they turn 30. Yeah. Like, we have a decent amount of older friends who still hang. And also, the other place that I take a lot of comfort is New Girl, <laughs> where all of them are a lot older than yeah. me and live in some really good lives. I know it's a work of fiction, but don't judge. <laughs> it's uh, it's my comfort show. Uh, it's a good one. To, to finish off my point about Lynn, though, I, I do not love him when he thinks he can perform. However... The guy can, he, he clearly has good artistic vision, and I think that that's really on display here. For some context, Tick, Tick, Boom is like this deeply meta musical. It's frankly not even really a musical. It's more of like a stage performance. Jonathan Larson wrote it after the musical that's 
talked about in this movie and before his breakout musical Rent. The whole musical is just performed with Jonathan Larson or whoever is playing Jonathan Larson on a stage with a piano and a few backup singers in a band. And it's just this series of songs that he wrote and monologues that he wrote about this time in his life. And what Lynn is doing in this movie and what I think makes it such an impressive directorial feat is he, like this isn't necessarily profound, but I don't think it's easy to pull off. He adds context to everything from the original musical. He pieces together like glimpses of what you learn about from the actual monologues and from the songs, but gives it context. And it's not all 100% accurate. It says that like the first line in the movie. It's like, <laughs> this is Jonathan Larson's story. Some of it's not real. Like it's very obvious and honest about that. But isn't it except for the parts he made up? Yes. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. And what that's doing is making this a much more like human and is exteric the right word? Esoteric. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. Esoteric an, is a word. It is a word. You're like, Ex- you're exothermic. Yeah, that one. It, it's an outside view of this person's life. Whereas when you're just watching the stage musical, it's purely like this guy talking about his own life. And it's not always as relatable in that case, but Lynn is able to give context and make this story a little bit more relatable, I feel. And we'll talk a little bit more about how he's doing that technically when we get into spoilers. But. Esoteric adjective intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with specialized knowledge or interest. So that's the exact opposite yes. of what, the word okay, that but I was exo- looking for. Can we get an exothermic death? Because that regards to... That's a, it's a type a of chemical thing. reaction. Yeah, I was going to say. The last thing I want to talk about here is chemical Andrew Garfield. And also chemical reactions and the chemical reaction that happens in my brain every time I see that man on a screen. Brett, you said two things when you introduced me to Tick, Tick, Boom. You said, this movie is really good. And you said, you remember about Andrew Garfield? And Andrew Garfield is the best actor of our generation. And I said, that's an insane take. And then I watched this movie and I was like, hmm, I might be on to something. <laughs> and then I looked at all of the other Andrew Garfield movies that I've seen. And I was like, damn, this guy really might be onto something. He's Bryce awesome. put down the remote and he said, <laughs> he looked in the camera and said, let's lasso the moon. <laughs> and then we started a podcast. That part did not happen. <laughs> no, you had to be there. But yeah. Andrew Garfield is really good in this role. I've got a really great fun fact about how he got cast in this movie, but I think he does a really good job of exemplifying like the, torment that this character is under and the stress given the circumstances but also the quirkiness and the love that what's his name i always michael with names nope the main character jonathan Powers. Oh, jonathan, jonathan howard's majors larson larson uh the love that jonathan, jonathan majors jonathan larson the other actor yes yeah he's uh, too busy beating up on people he shouldn't be beating up on right yeah, now allegedly he's doing that yeah Eh. Sue me. Yeah. Does a good job of showing how much love and empathy Jonathan Larson has for all of the people that he is surrounded by. This His performance was nominated for Best Actor. It did not win. 
but I believe it was my personal favorite performance of that year. And he's also singing, and he's not a singer, so it's it's pretty impressive. But yeah, do you guys have any more closing thoughts before we get into spoilers? No. I think I also told you the Andrew Garfield fun fact that you're going to get into later, and I just want to let you know that you I don't need think you me. did. I you think I found this on me. a YouTube video. Nope. And we're going to leave everyone on a cliffhanger. <laughs> if you do not want to be spoiled for the movie Tick, Tick, Boom, hop off, give the movie a watch. It's on Netflix for free with the cost of a Netflix subscription, which is becoming increasingly more expensive and hard to justify. Tough. Um, steal it from your parents. Steal it from your parents, as any self-respecting person under the age of 25 does. If you do not care, or if you've already seen this movie, feel free to join us in the rest of this conversation. If you're watching, I'm so sorry that I'm texting so much in the yeah, middle of all of say, this. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't give a damn about my podcast. Well, it's the reason why... I'm not using my phone to record the video as I usually would. I'm having groceries delivered to me and I I held onto the phone in case the shopper needed like one or two suggestions about what to get cuz that happens sometimes. Target is out of everything tonight. That's really unfortunate. <laughs> it is probably half of the order. It's not been Will I get tonight. my lemons and limes for my silly little I'm actually drinks. working on that right now. Thank you. I Crazy appreciate take. the work you put in for this Crazy house. Crazy take. If you went to grocery shop yourself, you'd realize these things, and then you'd go to a different store, and then you'd realize, oh, now I have the things I need. Yeah, but then because I can't be here with you tonight. Online grocery shopping is the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but it works out for you. No, it's a terrible thing. It I, works out I for you. I do not want to so ever step foot into a grocery store again. I know that it's like therapeutic for some people. I, I don't. It's not therapeutic. I just think the concept of paying it. A delivery fee and tip for something you just don't have to is wild. Uh, there's no delivery fee with a membership. Wyatt, here's a fact what, for you. With a membership? What does a membership cost? A hundred bucks a year. That's insane. That is not That insane. is ridiculous. It's a whole year. You're paying a hundred dollars to pay someone extra to get Think some of the groceries you want for you. It would have taken me two and a half hours to go do this shopping trip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this whole argument. I'm going to interrupt you because I, I can put the nail in this coffin. Money cannot buy happiness. There is a proven, and I'm talking proven, like multiple studies that show spending money on things that save you time is one of the most significant factors in increasing the likelihood that you live a happy life. It's paying people to clean your house, paying people to mow your yard, paying people to do your grocery shopping is That's... scientifically proven to make people more happy because mean... it gives them more time to invest in things that they actually enjoy. You doing. mean to tell me that's okay. You can say those facts, but there's like, you have to consider that you mean to tell me rich people who have more money to do the things that they don't want to do, have a better time. That's not a shocking not statistic, specifically, but that's not a shocking <laughs> statistic at all. Either way, we're talking about online grocery shopping on a podcast about movies. Either way. Fun fact in 1990, they didn't have smartphones to be able to do this. Yeah, what a great segue. <laughs> Jonathan Larson would have loved Instacart. Jonathan Larson wouldn't have used Instacart. He lives in New York City. He would have just walked down the street. Yeah, they got they got grocery stores everywhere. Walkable city on God. Let's talk about the the hundred dollars. <laughs> Ridiculous. He's not over this yet. I, I want to talk more specifically about how important it is that Lin Manuel Miranda is giving context to this story as a whole it's giving context it's giving context 
I wrote down a couple songs where I specifically was like, oh, it's really cool that in this moment we're seeing more of this story. So like the first one that I thought of was the argument song. If you were watching the original Tick, Tick, Boom play, or I guess musical, and you just look at the lyrics of that song, it's a really quirky and like lighthearted song. And that could be very much what Jonathan Larson is trying to convey. But I cannot imagine a world where you're arguing with someone that you love, where you're not feeling a lot of hurt in that moment, no matter who's right or wrong. And the fun, lighthearted spin on that that Jonathan Larson did in his original show is fun. But by giving, in the context of this movie, interspersing the, the song with actual dialogue and an actual argument taking place, we learn so much more about who Jonathan is in this moment, what his motivations are, and why he's driving out people in his life. And like that shows how important reaching this deadline is for him. Like He's willing to hurt people in his life because he's so solely focused on this one thing. This is one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's so unique in the way that it's arranged and plays out. And like you said delivers a message about what's happening and kind of shows some of the inner workings of his intentions here is really interesting to me. It was immediately one of my favorite and most memorable parts of the movie when I watched it the first time. And it's still like probably top three Mm -hmm. favorite parts of the movie for me. And another example of this, Brett, you actually pointed out and I hadn't noticed it before. Can you expand more on like your take about the song no more and how grand that whole set piece is? Oh, yeah, that's the Superbia, like, main theme. No, no, no. Uh, When Michael, is that his name? Yeah, Yeah, Michael first moves into his new apartment, the song that they sing there. You pointed out how grand it is and what that (laughs) means. I thought it was a really good take. Yeah. um, There is a scene where uh, Michael, who is Jonathan Larson's, like, best childhood friend, who they have created together, they live in New York together, um, he starts as a roommate to Jonathan Larson in the beginning of the movie. Eventually, he, you know, we see his journey of being in a similar position to Jonathan as somebody who is a like a starving artist. He gets really fed up with that life because it's just not sustainable for him, and he's unhappy. He he moves on to like a comfy but predictable office job where he makes so much more money than he ever did could have dreamed of in his previous life high five figures high five figures which is very important because once he strikes the high five figure salary he just like it has this grandiose life that is like not actually that amazing but it is exaggerated through one of the songs where they have gourmet foods and lavish house parties and maids at the apartment uh, which is a beautiful, like, actually extravagant New York apartment mm-hmm. that you could never have today on a high five-figure salary. And I, I also don't much. think, realistically, it would have been afforded with that salary at that time either, frankly. Probably. And I think that's the point that you were getting at. Right. That it's like, it's just a different time. And it is, it's amazing to see the difference between, you know, that it is shown as being so grandiose, not because he's making that much New York money, but because he went from, and Jonathan Larson were together in such squalor as starving artists 
that the five figure salary, which a lot of people at that age are like on average will attain is this huge life changing jump that is now a central conflict, especially for Jonathan Larson later in the movie. And it's, it's from Jonathan Larson's perspective. Yes. Seeing how ridiculous this is. Yeah. And, and, but he gets to contrast that against what he is used to living in every single day, which is, you know, having a dingy apartment with too many roommates, it's crowded and his lights are getting shut off. That whole bit reminded me of living in Mifflin Avenue, an address that I want to have to bleep out um, <laughs> with Matt, Maggie, and Joe. This yeah. is a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment that I lived in for a summer. <laughs> this song even references, like, throwing your keys down because the, the, the door thing doesn't, doesn't work. work. That yeah. was literally a thing that I experienced. And this was, like, a small for a two-bed, one-bath, even, frankly. So we've been there. That was also the brokest summer of my life. But at the same time, there's something very desirable about that life like when i was coming out of high school and all i wanted was to live with my buddies and spend as much time with them as possible i would have killed for that like that was exactly what i wanted but then bohemian lifestyle if you will if you will but then as you get older and you see you know sometimes that gets eventually tiresome and other opportunities presents itself happens in francis ha that's another theme of that movie one of Wyatt's favorites that did not win the vote to get talked about tonight, unfortunately. Fuck you guys. <laughs> oh, also worth noting, we have now done three poll movies, uh-huh. uh, and we have each had a movie that we suggested get picked. What was mine? Interstellar. Uh, mine was La La Land, right? Yeah. yeah. And this one was mine. That's very nice. I'm sweeping from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be very competitive about this. Uh, every time I... I think of a movie that I want to pick. I, I try to balance like, this is a movie that I would like to talk about, but also will a single person vote for this movie? Yeah. I felt that same way about when Wyatt posted Francis Ha. Like, I really want to talk about Francis Ha. It's a great Ha-ha, movie. But we can I, always just do it. It's tr- I Maybe hope we, we do it at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't expect that one to get a lot of votes. Juno gave you a run for its money. It did. Yeah, Lost close. If Steve didn't vote twice, I might have had a chance. <laughs> That's true. Shout out, Steve, for listening to this podcast. Another thing that I want to talk about, right? You mentioned the editing in this movie. It's unique. It's like very fast paced. There are a lot of cuts, almost like you would get in an action movie or something. And in the first song, there are so many cuts, like almost every other line of dialogue where it's cutting to not just like a new shot, but a whole different set piece. And I was alarmed by that at first, but... It kind of continues that throughout the whole movie. Like there are multiple points that are not even in the context of a song where it's cutting back and forth between multiple set pieces and almost like all of the different timelines that Jonathan Larson has that are sort of leading to this head where it's cutting back between those. So I felt like the, I mean, this movie's two hours long and I feel like the editing is done effectively enough that it keeps the pace moving. Um, It's not disorienting. In any way. Yeah, it's pretty easy to follow. And especially like with a musical, if it's not done well, anytime you're taking breaks to stop talking about the plot and to just have like a song and dance that is happening, it can really take out the momentum of the story. And I think the editing does a really good job of that. I don't know if that was what your thoughts were about that when you said that you liked the editing. Wyatt, I don't know if you liked the editing. It's certainly unique for this style of movie. Um, but yeah. 
I felt like you were next up in that. Oh, either of you are. Whoever feels most compelled to speak. Teacher, I would like to talk about the editing. Right, your hand is raised. You are welcome to speak. I liked it. Like I said, it is jump cutty and attention grabbing, but it is not disorienting or jarring or in any way. It keeps a through line plot of the movie. Nothing is particularly like, oh, that's weird. That's an interesting decision to me. That's like, I, oh God, I hate this. This is terrible. Except that diner scene. <laughs> I've got, which I have I've a got, lot of thoughts about. We'll, we'll certainly talk about the diner scene in the, the nitpick category, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. I liked the um, the the swimming pool scene. They got real jump cutty with that. And I was like, damn, this guy's swimming hella fast. Um, Shout out singing while speed racing. <laughs> there's literally <laughs> a shot where he's like, it's from underneath and he's like fully getting his swim strokes in and the, the guy is just sp- like speaking <laughs> and it's like it i don't know so silly. that's how that works like i don't know how you can do that really silly um but it was fine i mean obviously not editing but i think there are if we can just segue this into the nitpicks why mm-hmm. not sure um let's, let's do nitpicks there's like i've got quite a few every single time they step outside this movie looks like dog shit which is like my main like i don't dislike this movie i just am indifferent towards it my one like serious qualm and I get it because we were talking about it during the movie. There's a lot of people who are very busy folks in the diner scene who are all famous Broadway folks. So they probably didn't have the ability to all be in the same place at the same time. But the second they step outside there or when they're on the roof, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, Jonathan and his girlfriend are on the roof later in the movie. Every shot of the skyline or of outside, with the exception of the point of the movie in which they're in Central Park, looks so fucking bad. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, I have the same exact nitpick written down. It's I don't know if it's quite as much as every time, but Come to Your Senses is that rooftop song that you were talking about. Mm. And then there's the scene at the party at the beginning where they're on the rooftop. That also looks bad. And the diner scene looks egregious. It looks like like early, like prequel Star Wars style CGI. It's tough. And I don't know if that was like due to budget constraints or what. I mean, filming in New York City is definitely expensive. But there were a few moments where stuff was shot like on location, the like Central the Central Park, Park scene, scene yeah. that you mentioned, Wyatt, that look really good. And there are a few other moments throughout this movie where Lin-Manuel Miranda shows he can, even though this is not really his medium, he can put a good shot on the screen. And so it, it contrasted in a negative way anytime that was happening when you would see these just horrible CGI green screen sets um, really movie, takes you out of it. I just looked up the budget. It was a lot more expensive than I thought it was. Really? 55 million. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty moderate. I, I figured because they like, there's a lot of on set shooting, not a big cast, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of repeated uh, production design. Like there aren't a lot of different locations. I thought it would be a lot cheaper than that, but 45 million of that went to, Lin-Manuel Miranda's pockets. That's that greedy little man. Real. I didn't even think about that. Brett, do you have any, any nitpicks? It's okay if you don't. Jonathan if Larson you... straight. <laughs> That's a gay man. It's entirely possible. Uh, who knows? So I actually looked it up. His sexuality is considered contentious by, by the gay community okay. because there's disagreement. <laughs> there's some discourse. Do you see that the speaking of not the gay community, but also like in his death, there's just a community that's like, 
he's probably one of us. And it's the Marfan syndrome community. They were just mm, like, yes, he probably had that. We should say he did. Pause. They don't even know. What is this? Marfan's. It's like a heart condition. Oh. Um, all I know is that there's this dude who played college basketball at Baylor who's about to be drafted. And then they found out that he had that. Couldn't be drafted anymore. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, I just thought that it was odd that that was like contentious afterwards that they were like, he's one of our guys. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, we're in the spoiler section. So Jonathan Larson dies at the end of this movie. It's also not really a spoiler because it's a real thing that happened to a real person. And they say it in the first couple minutes of the movie. But yeah, it's unfortunate. I think just given the struggling artist lifestyle, I can't imagine he was going to the doctor and getting his yearly checkups. And stress um, exacerbates and that. Yes, yeah. very Kee Kwan so. famously did not have health insurance right before he won Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor. Oh, really? Yeah, he couldn't get life insurance That's or health insurance. Yeah. That was because after. Was life. He got one because he didn't technically receive enough hours through uh, It's Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm. And he couldn't get booked for anything else afterwards either. Right. But yeah, that's wild. That got rich. So he, he got that private or he got that out of pocket money. <laughs> Have you seen the video of him meeting Joe Biden? Who is this yes. guy? It's really funny. He's like crazy giddy about meeting Joe Biden. I think he's just crazy giddy about life. <laughs> Sprints at the president of the United States. You think Secret Service was going <laughs> to tackle him? They know that guy's not a threat. <laughs> Joe Biden goes, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> it's classic Joe. Iconic. Uh, here's a nitpick for you. I cannot stand Vanessa Hudgens singing. Mm. Her voice is terrible. Uh, okay, it's not terrible. I think I'm going to take that back. It's a lot better in this movie than it is in High School Musical. I don't know if I agree with that. I am a High School Musical truther, as is Wyatt. Real. Um, and so I, I have no no qualms with Miss Hudgens as a person. Um, is she Miss Tucker now? Are they married? I think they're Carlson? engaged. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think yeah, they're, they're engaged. engaged. Former Pittsburgh Pirate Justin Tucker is the fiance. Hello? Oh, sorry. <laughs> that would be kicker of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, what's his first name? Cole. Cole Tucker. Cole Tucker. The current Arizona Diamondback AAA Let's go. player. There, it's clear she's a classically trained singer. Like Her technique is okay, but there are a few moments in this soundtrack where like specifically a few lines in Come to Your Senses, namely, and the last song, which its name is forgetting me, or I'm forgetting its name, where I'm like, this this person cannot sing. So that it takes me out of it every once in a while. Louder than words. Louder than words, yeah. There's one line in there in particular, like, oh, it almost hurts my ears to listen to. Yeah, in my opinion, well, you don't have to dwell on it, but like, I... I get that. I think there's a lot more of that in High School Musical. That's it, it is all over the place. I, I have a strong nostalgia bias with Rose High School Musical. Glasses. Certainly. What's the one song that ends on like a Andrew Garfield singing a note and you were like, that's a blank trying to sing a blank note? That was uh, the end of Sunday. Andrew Garfield is like, brunch. <laughs> uh, and it's clear it was a little bit low for my poor my poor guy's register. So yeah, there are certainly some moments in here where the singing is not good. I give Andrew Garfield a pass, not just because he's Andrew Garfield, but because he is not a singer and he is playing someone who is not a singer. Like Jonathan Larson was not a singer. He was a playwright that could sing because he had to to perform his music. 
but like singing was not his trade. It was writing plays. It's much like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Do you know Andrew Garfield is a phenomenal woodworker? I did not know that. Uh, he worked he my wood. S- Let's go. I'll high five that Let's one. Let's go. That's great. In an interview, it was Emma Stone uh, mentioned that the best gift she had ever received from anyone in her life was a handmade chair from an ex-partner. Uh, and it was revealed that Andrew Garfield had made her a chair while they were together. That is absolutely incredible. And also a good segue to our next category, which is Bryce's Fun Fact Corner. I have one of my favorite movie fun facts in regards to how Andrew Garfield got cast in this movie. Responded to a text that said, show hole. (laughs) (laughs) Out of left field. I hate that. Show Bob's and Vegeta. He was getting a mis... Actually, I'm sorry. I'm jumping the gun. Lin-Manuel Miranda was getting a massage. Oh, I know the story. You know the story? Lin had just seen Andrew Garfield in a play that was on Broadway. It was like, that guy can really act. And Lin had been planning this movie, ideating, if you will. Was not really off the ground at all, but he wanted to make this movie. And he was like, Andrew Garfield would be really good in this role. But of course, it's a musical. Lynn was getting a massage, and he knew his masseuse was also Andrew Garfield's masseuse. Do you know this story, Brett? Yeah, I claimed you told it to you. <laughs> you did claim fucker. that. Uh, <laughs> I liked the way that you were looking at me there. <laughs> I was like, I gotta mess with this guy. <laughs> so they got the asks, same masseuse. They had the same masseuse. So he asks the masseuse, "Hey, can Andrew Garfield sing?" And the masseuse, having no idea whether or not Andrew Garfield could sing, is like, yeah, he's got the voice of an angel. Uh, real homie move out of the masseuse. Why would the masseuse know that? Is my, like, why did Andrew, Lin-Manuel Miranda think, oh yeah, the masseuse will know this. When you're rich, you're getting massages, like, weekly to bi-weekly. I would imagine you share a lot with your masseuse. You're telling me this twice monthly, or once every two-week massage is bi? You're telling me this week is by? Uh, so, moving on. He gets Andrew Garfield's number from the masseuse, texts him, and is like, hey, I'm thinking about making this movie. Can you sing? And Andrew responds, when do you need to have this movie made by? Like, when would we start recording? And Lynn was like, not for another year or so. And so Andrew Garfield responds, yeah, I can sing. So he took professional voice lessons from, I learned this recently, the girl who plays the emo girl in Mean Girls, who is now a professional vocal coach. Um, You got me there. I didn't know that part. Nice. And he learned how to sing and play piano in the course of a year. And he's like, honestly, really good for someone who had never sang before. Uh, Andrew Garfield also was a competitive swimmer in high school, so he didn't have to learn how to swim for this movie. Uh, He also was a competitive gymnast in high school. And what the fuck didn't he do? He he literally does it all. He's the best man of all time. Guy could be Spider-Man. The story he tells about that is he was one time doing squats with his gymnastics coach on his back. I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? I need a new <laughs> hobby. Uh, so he tried out every hobby. Probably is where he learned woodworking. Uh, and none of them were working out for him. And then he like signed up for an acting class. And that's how we got Andrew Garfield. Shout out. Do Which either... of us could squat the other? Um, I bet if I, you 
if I put you on my back, I could do that. I agree with that. I think why I could. I got big ass legs. I, mean, I can squat over 200 pounds, so I would imagine I could squat you guys. It might I be think awkward. So too. Yeah, I. Yeah, you know it'd be what? awkward in the sense of like I'm on your back. You we know? all we all can max We're over 200 pounds. Boys. I think we could all do it to each other. Fun fact: I've never ever in my life lifted anything in which i'm like this is the amount of weight i have no idea what my max would be for anything it's not a circumstance that you encounter very often in the real world well yeah it's just i don't know yeah it's great to not know because then you don't have to compare it to anybody else move this table right now <laughs> put this guy on my back <laughs> and then on there. put myself on this guy's back last of the moon content number three uh behind boxing and what was the other one we talked about i don't even remember. You know, mine and why it's divorce <laughs> I didn't even agree to get married. Uh, well, now you're getting divorced, so that's and then squatted. <laughs> Here's a, a fast fact: <laughs> get divorced and squatted. Get, that's a crazy week. <laughs> here's a here's a fast fact: Roger, the guy that is on stage with uh, Vanessa Hudgens and Andrew Garfield throughout this movie, he's singing "Happy uh, Birthday." He's singing a lot. That is actually Roger Bart. Uh, I don't know if either of you know that name. Roger Bart is probably most famous. For being Hercules in the Disney movie Hercules. Shout out! Uh, Shout out! Dude named like, Roger. Roger, great name. Yeah, it was just they were just friends. Can I throw in he's, a? Oh, go ahead. I just want to say he's a dog in this movie. He's he, great. He carries a lot of weight. <laughs> he does. He has like, God, one speaking line maybe, but every single vocal performance, he just he gets it all. And when I say he carries a lot of weight, I mean like energy wise. Yeah, like he's just putting his his all in every scene. He's fun to watch. Can I have a Roger fun fact unrelated to this movie? Please just hit related me with a Roger to Roger fun fact. The dude who named the Seattle Mariners, Roger Smotis. Smotis. Uh, they sent out a um a thing in the Seattle Times, and they were like, "We want Seattleites to name our baseball team. What will they be named?" And he said, uh, "The Mariners for the relationship between the city, its people, and the sea." And they said, "That's a great idea." I was about to say, "Great idea." That's a phenomenal idea, Roger Smotis. We would love to get in contact with you and give you season tickets to the first ever year's worth of Mariners games. That was the last ever proof of Roger Smotis's existence. Wow. They could never track him back down. He'd vanished into thin air. He's never been seen or found or heard of since nobody knows. He's what year was this? Uh, I was just about to say, I like asked Cooper. what year it was to see if he's the 19, Cooper. like 1968. Wait, I don't know. Maybe Cooper, Cooper was in the sixties, right? I need to look this up. Okay, while you're looking it up, will explode. I have a, a sports naming fact that is is it a Roger? It's not Roger. Sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers were named in a similar way. They put out a like newspaper ad for people to give suggestions. The guy who suggested Steelers was from Uniontown, my hometown. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Shout out, uh, Brett. I'm realizing, or I guess. Yeah, I, I'm realizing if you threw some goofy goggles on me and like shaved my head, I would kind of look like DB Cooper. Uh, that was 71. Well, how do so we the have timeline a timeline? Works out. Is there like a? I've never seen. I assume you're looking at like a police sketch. Police sketch, right? Uh, really let fun. me see. Turn that. Turn that pick. Turn that joint around. Oh, I have seen this. Yeah, we have similar head shapes. It'd be fun if we just solved the DB Cooper case. It's me in 1971. <laughs> no, it's Roger Smotus. <laughs> goofy ass head shape. <laughs> Hey, man. <laughs> you should be ashamed. <laughs> all right. All right. Last last fun fact before we move on. Oh, wait. I have a fun fact. Oh, please. Here. So, uh, Superbia, 
the uh, the musical Loki cheeks. <laughs> there's a lot, there are a couple of songs that I think are bangers, but there's a lot of bad ones showcased in the movie. The musical Superbia that was never fully produced by Jonathan Larson. Produced. Was loosely based around George Orwell's 1984. Whoa. Yes. That checks out. This is literally Orwellian. Uh, Brett, when the delivery guy will not bring him lemons and instead asks for limes. Uh, that, is, that is Brett's Bo is Afraid experience. That grocery order is currently sitting on our stoop. Damn. I hope someone up. steals it. That'd be so funny and would really prove my point. Uh, ask Paige to get it. I could tempt her with some food and she'd probably do it. She can probably smell it through that door. Truly. Uh, last little tiny baby fun fact. The Bohemia song that they sing near the beginning of the movie that is like made up improv for this party was actually borderline improv for the movie. That was not like really a part of the Tick, Tick, Boom stage performance that Jonathan Larson would do. It was a way that he connected with the audience. Like he kind of just improv it with the audience and they would sing along. And Lynn and Andrew, if I remember correctly, were kind of just like, this would be fun to throw in the movie. And they had this party scene that was like kind of lacking in some substance. So they were like, Andrew, just, just cook for a little bit. And so he sang that song and it, it, it's a hit. It's a fun scene. Speaking of cook, would you guys eat the food from the diner in that movie? It looked good. I thought it was fine. It looked like a good vibe for a little, Little salt, little pepper, little scallion on some egg. And Jonathan's playing some show tunes on his yeah, mix exactly. tapes. It's You're an eclectic mix. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is uh, a cameo cook in that diner. Let him cook, and he's making some ass bacon. It looks terrible. <laughs> it's like I didn't notice. <laughs> I, it's not like something that is really stand out, but looking at it, it looked disgusting. In my opinion. Shout out terrible looking I've bacon. I've had a lot of bad bacon in my life. You guys didn't like the Oak Hill Post bacon. I think that was pretty crazy because that was some good stuff. No, it was terrible. Yeah, I'm with Brad on this I'm one. so sorry that I feel like we're teaming up on you. But... <laughs> it's okay. You guys are wrong. I, you don't have to feel like you're teaming up on me when I know I'm right. And Fair that's enough. all that matters. Let's get back to the movie. All we've, right. We've been not talking about this movie a lot. And I, I know some people very close to me that would be sad if we didn't talk about certain things in this movie. One thing that I Fuck really... <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh one thing that i really like that this movie does is again this is like totally context that lynn is giving to this story that would not otherwise be there the whole movie kind of climaxes at the final song what did you say it was called cages God, have I wings which forget you... again <laughs> I'm so bad with song names. I know. This is one. Of, I, it's like my favorite song. I was about to say, it's, it's in my Louder top Than Words. The whole movie, like the song Louder Than Words is like what this whole thing is building up to, where he is left not with answers, but with a lot of questions. And those questions are sort of what incites the rest of Jonathan Larson's life and him writing this musical and then him writing Rent. And there are just some like, not throwaway lines from that song, but... It was clear Lynn was like, where, where is he getting these questions from that he's asking in this song at the end that is so important to the conclusion of this story? And so he's giving context to that. A lot of the non-song scenes that we're seeing throughout this movie are just bits and pieces of Jonathan Larson's life where he experiences something and 
it impacts him very greatly. So he like jots it down in his little notebook and it just shows like everything that he is leading up for when his agent is like, write about what you know, that all of those little pieces are impactful moments in Jonathan Larson's life that led to him ending up where he ends up. And I like that a lot. It's like not crazy creative, but it, I think is done effectively enough that as someone who is interested in the story of Jonathan Larson and the impact that he had both on the musical theater world and then by proxy, the world at large, it's cool to see where someone that was so impactful would have gotten those feelings and those questions from. I think it's a good plot device. It's funny because actually like one of my least favorite parts of the movie is that there are a lot of moments that are genuinely cringe inducing. (laughs) Um, And one of them to me is one of the moments when he writes down something in his notepad and there's somebody on TV being very homophobic about the create uh, the AIDS epidemic and and Andrew Garfield writes down the boss is wrong as rain which a sounds stupid b doesn't make sense it's, it's C, a twist like on, crazy pretentious yeah it's a twist on right as rain which is a phrase that I don't like I know what it means but I have no idea what that means yeah. you know I haven't talked to an older British woman in a while so I haven't heard it recently right as rain right as rain Either uh, way. Do you talk to a lot of old British women? Like a fair amount. Okay. I've got websites for it. Telling Juliet <laughs> what's going on here. She knows. You're doing better than, than I am, I think, if you're talking to British women and I'm not. We'll get you we'll get you out there, don't worry. I'll get you an account after this. Speaking of the rain though, this dude gets rained on a lot or he's cold. Anytime he goes outside, he seems to have a bad time. <laughs> that was us in he's New York. Chilly. Yeah. yeah. He's bundled up like a little penguin, though. He looked cute. Oh, yeah. We were in New York last week. Yeah. That's why we didn't release New an episode. Funny enough, we didn't mention that at all up to this point. Yeah, I meant to mention it at the start. And then I forgot. It poured the entire time. 100% of the time we were there, it was raining. Uh, it was fun, like, seeing this movie right after being in New York and being yeah. like, oh, yeah, we were just there. That is true. It's like, New York City kind of reminds me, like, of if you made, like, like a great value Pittsburgh, you know? I think you're right. They like kind of ripped us off on a few things here and there, but they had some damn good tacos. I'll tell you that. Much. Wow, that's Los Tacos Numero Uno. If for whatever reason this gets back to you or anybody who knows you, I miss you so bad. Come home. You think the the people over at Los Tacos Numero Uno are listening to this? Who knows? Maybe I hope so. They want to be so on too. Broadway, but they need to find a job to get by, and they're like, "Where can I work and also get free food?" And they're like, "Oh shit, Los Tacos Numero Uno would be a genius idea." So they work there, they eat free tacos, they just want to get to Broadway. I'm going to write a play now. It's going to be about that. It's a good idea. It's going to be about that. A white guy who works at Los Tacos learns Spanish and learns the importance of friendship and multiculturalism as he learns that the real play and the real pursuit of happiness was tacos all along. I think this has a lot of potential. I'll do it. Especially if you're like in partnership with Los Tacos Numero Uno. You know what they say is they love branded media content. <laughs> Everybody loves a, a brand deal of an entire movie or play. White guy Shout discovers white guy discovers tacos could have been my autobiography. <laughs> it's crazy how late in your life you discovered tacos. On oh, God, when do you think like the first time in your life you had like cayenne pepper was? Oh, pretty God. early. My dad introduced me to Frank's Red Hot Sauce when I was like five. I mean, I feel like 
I feel like Brett's going to have a later answer. No, it was like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, because okay. I knew it was going to be like, uh, like he recently discovered there's more. Classic me thinking everything is about me. <laughs> Unbelievable. The first time I gave Brett a hot Cheeto, oh, he God. cried because it was so spicy. It's really bad. Are you serious? No, I there like I did not grow up with any amount of like spice in anything that I ever ate. What so was... it was like, you know, those memes that are like, what would happen if you gave a Victorian child a talkie? Yeah. That was literally me. And I about exploded. He had literally never experienced spicy food until that hot Cheeto. That's remarkable. What was like? The spiciest thing you can remember growing up, like in your home, uh, sour cream, <laughs> <laughs> Sprite. Oh, you didn't drink bubbly be- drink. beverages; they were too no, spicy no. for you. No, but that was the thing: is if I would have drank one, I would have I'd spit it all over the place. That was like my first experience with anything like quote unquote like white people spicy. <laughs> for our listeners, Fred has grown. Uh, uh, I've eaten wings many times with this guy. He can handle the spice now. Yeah. Build up the tolerance. That's true. Neither of us can do it as well as Wyatt, though. No, that's true. Fucking champion. We should give this guy guy eat the bomb and not flinch. It was crazy. We should give Brett a medium spice level chicken sandwich from Chicken and watch as he breaks down. No, well, I have done that before, thinking that I could handle medium because that's average. Yeah, it's not average. It is their second least spicy sauce. Wrong. Oh, really? Third. Mild, medium, southern, 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 mild, medium. Hot, damn hot. Okay. Damn we're talking hot. about things that a lot of people <laughs> listening to this will have no idea what we're talking about. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You guys want to say it with me? I don't know what you're going to say. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> I don't say that on. word. It's bad. There was one thing I did want to talk. Oh, what are your thoughts about Jonathan's relationship with his partner? Beard. <laughs> She might be. We she can't be. say that he's gay because he's not, and it's stereotypical to say that he would be gay, but it's really, it's funny to hey, comment on. what's that, like, third note you have written down? Oh, <laughs> John Larson would have been he, they, but they hadn't invented <laughs> pronouns in 1990. <laughs> yeah, about that. What can we describe that a, about that him? Was note without... you were going to read had Wyatt not called you out for it? Potentially. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? <laughs> uh, really these eyes are always home. watching, no, bitch. hot take. John Larson would have been he, they, but they hadn't invented pronouns in 1990. They speak like cavemen back then, not to talk about self. For the sake of not ruining ourselves. Brett is joking. <laughs> yes. Uh, John, look, as a fellow quirky straight guy, I get it. I get the Jonathan Larson deal. Um, his relationship with his girlfriend that is very hetero- heterosexual is tumultuous and hard to watch because he does not give her the time of day that she deserves. She's so cool and hot and is truly just trying to like love him and have a good relationship. She seems like a genuinely good partner. Why your hand is raised? I disagree. She shows up to the first showcase practice and she's like, Hey, I know the thing that you've been like literally losing sleep over for weeks is happening right now. Can you step away from it to talk about our relationship in a deeply serious context? And he's like, no. And she's like, you're an asshole. And then she also does that. You mentioned that earlier, like right before they're about to have sex. She's like, oh, by the way, I'm moving out of the city. I got a job offer. I applied Um, for it. And then she's like, just kidding. I actually got the job. I didn't just apply for it or read the listing. I already have it. 
So I think, I mean, no partner is perfect, and he certainly is so focused on his own thing that he's probably a pretty shitty one too. But I don't think she gets off scot-free either. I think she's I would agree a flawed person, but as is everybody, we're just watching the end stage of a relationship. I do. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. She is certainly wrong. Um, that was a that was a bar. Um, what? <laughs> I think you're right. She's in the wrong. Drake bar. <laughs> um, I I do still lean more towards Jonathan is at fault. Granted, the the poor guy is under a lot of stress, and I I would imagine suffers from anxiety as well, <laughs> and is like he they behavior. <laughs> God, why is that bad? Running with it. Why is that bad? I don't understand what's bad about that. I'm like the most aggressively PC person in this house. Uh, Would you not be implying by that statement that trans people have anxiety? anxiety? I feel like they're just more in tune (laughs) with the fact that they have anxiety. Like straight people on both ends of the spectrum are just Just like having it and don't know. Yeah, they do that Irish method where you just bottle everything up and throw it on the (laughs) shelves, like John Mulaney says, and then you. Like, kill yourself in the shed. I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing. Keep going. All right. Fair enough. Um, I don't know how to be <laughs> completely derailed my thought. Um, Look, John Larson needed to make some amount of time yes, to talk about this very important exactly. thing. Because, like, she needed it. She needed her boyfriend. Yeah. Other than the... And she made that very clear. She what she needed. Oh, my also... point was... Go ahead. I'm going to say it because I will forget if you bring up your point. Yeah. God damn it. So your point. Um, he also. This is. This is. I, I haven't taken my ADHD medication today. <laughs> this is what happens to me. Um, There's also that point where he's trying to write the song and she's calling him from outside of his apartment. And she's like, I see you. And he's still not on the phone. And I think that's a little ridiculous of him. But I'm hoping I stalled long enough that the point is back in your head. You did. And I was writing it down. There you go. Uh, she has to go out of her way. The bring it up right before sex, I think, was just straight up a bad move. She yes. was not in that was uncalled for. But like when she shows up at his work, yeah, it's not like a super classy thing to do. But also, we see like four other instances where she's showing up at his house and she's calling him and she's trying to connect with him, and it doesn't seem to matter what. She does. Like it wasn't is, her first choice to show up at work. Whether he's working or at that moment or not, she can't reach him. And it, it almost felt like a this is I, I know this is wrong. And he knows that I would know this is wrong. Maybe by me making this big gesture of like, I'm showing up at your work because I need an answer. Like that gesture is like, listen, <laughs> we this is serious. Like we need to have this conversation whether it's right now or in the future, like you need to make time for me. So like, yeah, she definitely shouldn't have shown up at his work, but also this poor girl is just so desperate to get something out of her partner. And like, even if it's just a, Hey, I don't want you to leave, which she mentions at the end, she, she needs something from him. And he's so obsessed with everything that's going on in his life that he's not giving her anything. And good. Sometimes I forget this is, Actually, no, finish your point, because this is going to derail. Uh, no, I, I was okay. kind of going to get into some larger scale thoughts. So um, anytime we watch a movie that has like follows the concept of like the obsessed artist, which I forget is like a whole like there's a sect of movies yeah. that are all under that general theme. But because I watched Whiplash first of that category, 
anytime anybody does a thing where they're like too focused and then like lose a significant other i'm like hey is this like whiplash <laughs> like over yeah. and over, i've seen like 20 movies where i'm just like hey, this is like whiplash and i don't think about it for anything else i don't think oh this is like la la land i'm just like this is like the point in whiplash and miles teller yep. breaks up with his movie theater girlfriend <laughs> have, you, have you seen the the meme that's like guy who's only ever watched boss baby watches another movie yeah. and is like this is just this like, is boss, just baby. like <laughs> boss baby yes uh me with whiplash information about the relationship situation she is considering moving to the berkshires which is about three hours away from manhattan where depending is on where in the berkshires you're going it is, is that a mountain range yeah it's west it's like um I'll probably be up in that joint. It's soon. tall. <laughs> uh, Mountains are tall. I'm going to say... Like, stop me when I get there. Vermont. Uh, it's that region, I believe. How tall? I could be totally wrong. How tall? About yay big. Okay. Depending on the size of the map you're looking at. Mm. The The point that I was going to make, if I can remember it... Ah, oh God, I really should have taken my meds today. <laughs> um, I, I... So... The relationship that Jonathan has with his girlfriend is the piece of the uh, the ticking that is given the second most play besides the play itself that he's writing. Ah. Some great word play on my part. Right there, I'm spitting. But I really do think that it is exemplative sort of of how... I specifically, and like where my own relation to this movie comes from, it's exemplative of like how we can get so singularly focused on something that we are striving to do that, I mean, I, I, I think both of you can relate to me in that like we're all very impassioned people with a lot of versatile interests. But with me personally, it can become very easy to get wrapped up in one of those and kind of push things aside. And that has hurt my own relationships in the past. And I feel like what both Jonathan Larson and in turn Lin-Manuel Miranda did with this story, I feel like they captured that in a really unique way. Like I've never seen that feeling put into the context of something as fun as a musical. And like, frankly, we haven't talked a lot about the music yet. The music here is really fun. Like when I first listened to this, or when I first watched this movie, I had multiple songs from this stuck in my head for a very long time. I think it, this album showed up like three or four of the songs from this album were all near the top of my like top 100 most listened to mm. songs on Spotify in 2021. So it, it's like a really interesting contrast. It's not like the the musical element isn't working together with the plot in the same way that it is in La La Land. It's almost... A contrast. I, I'm I'm not explaining it as well as I'd like to, but Reddit looked like you had something to say. Uh, I was just getting lost pensive. in your eyes. <laughs> that happens. I my first reaction to the music is not necessarily fun, but there's a lot of fun songs. Like Bohemia is really fun. It's like uh, we mentioned it earlier. It's one of my favorites. It's so uh, daunting the situation that we follow John Larson go through that like that manifests through his music that it's really big and brash at times. Like the, um, the rock arrangements are very captivating to me. I love a rock musical. I have not mentioned that yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> really? 
and I also wanted to say shout out female bassists. She was holding it down the whole time. Never gets actually like uh, what? <laughs> There's a female bassist. There's a girl playing bass in oh, okay. John's band who rocks out the whole time. She's awesome, rocking the five string. We all love as you do. No, I did not actually. Oh, are you on a four string? I'm on a four string. Yeah, I thought the amount of strings determined what it was. Like as a, <laughs> I don't know. You think I would? There's like my, twelve string guitars. My dad plays everything, but I, none of that was passed down to me. I he stole all the talent for himself. It's. It's unimportant to the conversation, but I do want to fill you in on, on <laughs> how that particularly works later because it's a it's a topic that's important to me personally. Isn't that the difference between like a lute and a mandolin? Is the amount of strings? I can't can't speak to neither lutes nor mandolins. I'm sorry. <laughs> Regardless, the music it conjures a lot of feelings along the spectrum, and fun is one of them. Do we want to? I, I thought we would change. There aren't really many like. One of our categories is like best scene, worst scene, or our favorite scene, least favorite scene. There aren't many specific like set pieces in this movie that I think really stand out. Most of the scenes are songs. So if we want to do like our, our favorite song, least favorite song, or maybe a top three favorite songs, or a bottom three favorite songs, why you haven't mentioned the music yet? Maybe you hated it. Brett, do you want to go first? Um, I want to go first, but <laughs> have, you been, have you been looking over my shoulder seeing this texting situation? No, I don't know what's going on. I'm looping my Instacart shopper in on, <laughs> on the podcast. What the hell? What are you saying? We're doing live marketing to get one more viewer. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, I was like, because, you know, normally they don't say anything after they dropped off the order, but they were talking about, like, how brutal the Target uh, lack of items situation was. So I was like, you got a shout out on the podcast, hoping that he or she would be like, let me listen. And now we got one more person wow. looped in <laughs> to the ecosystem. Uh, if you're listening, Thanks Instacart, guy. shopper, or gal. That's guys non-gendered. Uh, that's a good capacity. point. No, I, I would agree with that. So what, the point that we're at now is them saying, what's your podcast? And I'm about to send a Spotify Let's link. Let's go. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, thank you for listening if, if you're here. All right. Um. You're, you're on song duty, or do you want me to do that while yeah, you're Yeah, you go circle ahead. back okay. to me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Daddy's doing business. My favorite song is the happy birthday song from the beginning, the first song of the movie. Great taste. Uh, I am taste. indifferent on the rest, except for I think the pool song is bad. Yeah, I would agree. But the music just appears on the bottom of the... Like, I get the purpose where he's like, God, I got to do something to get my mind off this, and that's the moment when it all clicks. But that song is basically like, I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, and here's a diagram of me swimming, and it's bad. Yeah, there, with that scene in particular, I agree. That's also my least favorite song. The idea of, like, I'm going to turn to this other thing, and it's going to help, like, hyper-fixating on this thing can help clear my creative block. I think that that is a thing that most creative people have experienced, but <laughs> this song is just far too in detail about the mechanisms of swimming and I'm not that interested in it. It's also just, even if it were that, I just don't think it's a particularly catchy song compared to some of the others. You got to let them respond first. You can't just plug the podcast like that. That's embarrassing. No, it's too late. <laughs> it's been plugged. <laughs> uh, Wyatt, I agree. 3090 is my favorite song, but the closer, which again, cannot remember the name of it is, is the, some heat. I've listened to words. louder than words. I've listened to both David of Bednar the mm -hmm. of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I've listened to both of those songs many, many times. 
Hearts Rhett, one do you have a favorite song or a least favorite song? Yeah, Louder Than Words is my favorite song. The lyrics. Uh, hose Mad? Yeah. White was consistently asking for a, a Hose Mad climax <laughs> at the end of the song. God, how does Louder Than uh, Words go? The Hose Mad needle drop was in the credits, but Wyatt got up and left right after the, the credits rolled. Cages or Wings, which do you prefer? Ask the birds. Damn it, it gets me every single time. I love it. I don't see. Love it. I don't like that line because what are the birds going to tell me? They're going to say, Merp! Go! That's the second loud noise. the second loud noise that was <laughs> not even accurate to what it was supposed to imitate that Brett has made in this one recording. I think that that song rocks. It's so good. It's a good the, song. the arrangement is really good mm-hmm. where it all comes out and it just has the, the chorus. Yes, when it pulls, down. pulls back. Yeah, yeah, so good. And my other favorite is Therapy, which is the fight song. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting to me. Like one of the most memorable songs of the movie. And I, I hate to keep shitting on it, but swimming is not very good. Yeah. And I, Sunday is also not very good. Yeah. I, every time uh, I'm listening to this album, I skip Sunday and swimming. Those Sunday are the songs that gave I skip. me PTSD because that was my day yesterday at the fair when <laughs> we were a, day, a person down on a Mother's Day Saturday or Mother day, Mother's day. day weekend Saturday. And it was just like you saw a line to the door and you had two people alongside you. And it's you like, just cry. Inshallah, we beat this rush. You know what else I don't rock with is Johnny Can't Decide. Oh, really? I don't love that one. That's fair. I like that song, but I get it. Uh, I did have a favorite like non-musical scene, and we haven't mentioned really. This movie is like pretty funny at a lot of points. I think the funniest scene is the, um, oh, what are they called? The focus group scene where, <laughs> I almost said Andrew, where John is like desperate for money to get a the full band that he wants for his showcase. So he goes to this like marketing focus group where they're trying to come up with a name for a new product. And this is something that Jonathan could be really good at if he chose to quote, sell out and use his creative genius to make jingles. Damn you business majors. Yeah, that's me. This is just really funny. Shout out dominating a focus group. The way the man just goes in and takes charge I, <laughs> me and Bryce have this competitive nature that I feel like like we this is a wet dream for us to go in and be like oh yeah all eyes on us and it, it's so are you being real right now a wet dream no I mean I I you mentioned guys would, like love to dominate a focus group absolutely no, so, so so I even mentioned that in the moment where so this movie is pretty hyperbolic at a lot of points this scene is so over the top yes. and ridiculous. <laughs> I cannot imagine in reality it was like this at all. But Jonathan says like certain like moderately creative things. And in this like retelling of the story, every single person in this focus group is like, oh my God, you're a genius. And that kind of validation, I think Brett and I both crave. It would be really cool to toxic trait, but yes. Yes. (laughs) Brett, I think you segued well into our brand new category that we're unveiling for this episode. That's quick shout out. There was a a bit early on in this movie where I had a thought. I was like, quick shout out this thing. And I was like, that would make a fun little podcast category. So we're gonna we're gonna rapid fire some quick shout outs from this movie that will likely make no sense if you haven't seen this movie. Wyatt, you don't have 
written down notes? Do you have no. any from memory? I'm just going to go for it. Quick shout out the AIDS crisis. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you were out of control. Canceled. <laughs> Cut that mic. I don't mean like like it happened and we need to remember that. And it's really depressing that a whole generation of people are gone. And then the Reagan administration's response to it was awful too. Yeah. I think you're really kid cutting the first one. <laughs> I think you say nothing but good points. But god damn it, you missed the point of My quick first shout, shout out, out was gonna be Hamilton. Motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> well, said the AIDS crisis. Oh god. <laughs> Keep going. Alright, this is the, the quick shout out that made me want to start this uh this category. That's quick shout out being a straight man calling your gay roommate Pookie. <laughs> and uh, I also don't know if you noticed his gay roommate calls him Boo Boo. <laughs> so they are they are a straight and gay man not in a relationship together who are just great friends who call themselves Pookie and Boo Boo. Love it. I love that. You guys are doing too much talking for quick shout out. You need to go faster. That's my bad. Hit it. Shout out clapping first at the end of a musical performance. Uh, <laughs> Just getting right in there. <laughs> Quick shout out prison barges, which are a thing that still exists in New York City. Keep going. I have to remember. <laughs> shout out singing for pussy, <laughs> which is a real line. That's, that's a real line in this movie. Uh, very good one. Quick shout out jingle writing, because whoever did the Folgers jingle is an absolute genius. And uh, I feel like some real creative people threw away their passions to write commercial jingles quick shout Mainly out the Folgers guy quick shout out stealing your girlfriend's jacket when you're cold <laughs> that's some shit we all three of us would do <laughs> quick shout out basic rhyme schemes uh quick shout out wealthy girl's legs quick shout out slapping a dude on the heel because he's swimming too slow in front of you <laughs> quick shout out waking up every day just to fumble your hot girlfriend oh my god he really he really did that. Quick shout out. This one might be my favorite. Chubstitute. <laughs> huge. Huge. Oh, no, I take it back. I've got one more. Uh, quick shout out. Your cat watching you poo. <laughs> yes. All right. That concludes <laughs> quick, quick shout quick out. Shout I out. hope you enjoyed Round that. Round of applause for quick shout out. Very nice. Quick shout out. Quick shout out. Um, quick shout out does anyone want to get ribs tonight that's not a bad idea quick I'm, shout out I ate already let's, let's quick close shout out, this it's podcast it's fucking f- 5 what it is certainly not 5 well we've been in this room since like it is 9.02pm <laughs> I wish our audio listeners could see the look, look of terror on Wyatt's that Wyatt face. just made where are we going to get ribs at this hour <laughs> I don't know yeah, if we're gonna. everything in Pittsburgh closes at 7 yeah like, and on a Sunday it's it's extra bad we're going to have to go to like Apple B. <laughs> they do have ribs at at uh, at Le B. Uh, let's give our our closing thoughts. Be more present in the moment. Sometimes you think your issues are bad, then you find out your friend Michael has AIDS, and that's not good. And you need to be more aware of the fact that there are issues going on outside of your own, however large they may feel in the moment. You got to be present in other people's lives too. Tick tick boom was a movie I watched with my friends. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, I can't say enough about that. And I recorded a podcast about it, too. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the names of more than two characters in this movie. <laughs> I almost fell asleep 
like six times. Steven Sondheim is one of them. I thought he wrote this movie until halfway through, and they were like, Steven Sondheim is is here to watch this. And I was like, what a dick putting himself in the movie. Then I thought, oh, never mind. The you dick guys told did me. put himself in the movie. That's fair. Wait, but you said he was uninvolved. <laughs> Not Manuel oh, Miranda put true. himself in the movie. Yeah. That's true. If you like musicals, I'm pretty certain you'll like Tick, Tick, Boom. If anything I said on the podcast today was too far... <laughs> Formal apology. I formally now. apologize. Please send me an Instagram DM with your criticisms, concerns, and how I can improve as a person. I will not take your advice. That is my all. If you want to do that, anyways, despite his insistence that he won't take your advice, it'd be funny. I'd bio. love. I would love to get those. Love to get those. I'm last of the moon pod. Uh, no, no, Instagram. no. Your personal account is in the description for this episode. That's true. That's true. Message that guy directly. I don't want to hear about it. Send it to my employers. <laughs> uh, my final thought is movie good. Andrew Garfield good. This is the second time. Never stop grinding your <laughs> your outreach to get your Instacart shoppers <laughs> on to your podcast. That can be a lesson learned if we find out that they actually listen to this podcast. We'll see what happens. Is that it? That's your. That's you it. You like this movie? You, you don't have anything I else really to say do, about it. I really do. But I'm pretty checked out right now. All I'm right, not gonna lie enough. to you. This movie, I really like it. It's flawed. That being said, it was still my second favorite movie of 2021. Granted, not the best year for movies, but I mean, this is a movie I've returned to multiple times now. It's a really enjoyable watch, and it honestly, like, not so much today, but there are moments in here that I feel are like pretty successful in their emotional beats. Jonathan Larson was a very, very important person because he wrote Rent. I don't love Rent personally. It just doesn't really work for me. I like a lot of the music, but I don't love a lot of the characters. But I don't like paying it. <laughs> that's a major theme in the in the musical Rent. Rent in a lot of ways like saved musical theater. Like it completely changed the course of musical theater. It had a huge hand in opening a lot of blind eyes towards what people living this lifestyle, that being like the bohemian artist, struggling artist lifestyle in New York City and around the United States were experiencing. And I really love seeing the story of how a person could be so inspired to come up with such an impactful piece of art. I think that, again, this movie's not perfect, but I love the central characters, and I love Andrew Garfield's performance of the main character, and the music is awesome. I listen to it all the time. Check out the album if you haven't before. Um, but this movie's a really good time. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. One last thing before we go. Before this podcast started, I asked Juliet to give me a list of three words to use in this podcast out of context. Wow, Juliet is Wyatt's girlfriend. She is. She rocks. Do you guys have any idea what they were? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, I killed it. They were one. I got lucky. One was pool. One was scallion. Nice. When did you use scallion? Uh, I asked you guys if you would eat the diner food. I remember this. I mm, thought it was well odd done. that well he done. said scallion out of nowhere. Uh, and then penguin. When did I do you not remember penguin? penguin. I talked about him being all bundled up like a little penguin. Like a little penguin. Well done. I'm going to shake your hand for that. That's let me shake his hand. Impressive. It's really fucking hot. My hands. Yeah. It's I'm really sweaty. Warm. My AC is not working very well. 
Um, uh, we're gonna end this here. Goodbye and good night. I'm gonna go find Whoa, ribs. I gotta do. <laughs> gotta do the outro. Turning to the audience, thank you very much for listening. We <gasps> really appreciate the support. Wyatt is yelling into his mic for no reason. We really appreciate the support. Uh, can't express that enough. This podcast is a lot of fun for us. Um, we would probably do it if no one listened. So the fact that people listen and support us really means more than we can express. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want more of Last of the Moon, follow us on Instagram at Last of the Moon Pod, and you will get immediate updates whenever we release new episodes. You will also see my very intentionally shitty photoshops. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Uh, we also occasionally share some personal stuff on there. Um, we should do that more. I think people would like that. Anytime the boys are doing stuff together. Like um, getting ribs after like getting ribs after recording a podcast. Thank you again for listening. We love you. I would last in the moon for you. We hope you would do the same for us. Good night. Good night. Bohemian.